Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is a view from the Bullins podcast. Listen to all the latest news and inside track from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome back to another episode from A View from the Bullins with me, Mick Kemp, Matthew Neal, Lee McLean, Ben Winstanley and Jack Kemp. Ben, Wolves 2, Everton 1. You were at Molyneux on Monday night. You've had time to sleep on it. What are your thoughts? Time to sleep on it. Four hours sleep I had to go and watch that garbage last night. It makes you think, why'd you bother? But again, Man City tickets are purchased and we go again in a few weeks, but... That first half, Mick, was an absolute disgrace. And I'd argue it's one of the worst first half performances I've seen in a very, very long time. Uh, I'm talking a few seasons, maybe back to the Martinez era when we went to Hull City away and we're 2-0 down. Absolute disgrace. I think when we initially saw the first 11 put online, I think a majority of us thought that Damari Gray was going to back out to the left and they were going to potentially play Iwobi in the 10 and kind of like a a 4-3-1-2 formation, which I kind of thought, you know what, it might work. We we definitely need three in the middle. And within the first five minutes, it was quite easy to see that we were playing a 4-4-2 with a flat back four, well, a flat four in the midfield. Gabamon had a disastrous first half. Um, he He was pushing when he shouldn't have pushed. And it just shows how much of a miss the Corey is for me. I feel like that injury over any injury this season is going to have a massive impact on our season. Because 
the the amount of work rate that the core does accounts for two players. And we 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 looked at this on the on the pre-match um, podcast before Wolves. If you're gonna if you, if you got a team and you don't have to call you in that squad, you need to have three central midfielders in the middle of the park. It's got to happen because Alan pushes every now and again. He wants to close people down, and then you've seen in that first half, Huang Jimenez, that Nuri at left back, were just slotting into the gaps between our midfield and and defence, and they had all the time in the world. And they clearly did their homework because they wanted to run at our back four because Godfrey has been a disaster this season and he's not shying away from any criticism. I know, I understand he's had COVID and the best way to get over such illness is obviously playing game match fitness, but he looked off the ball completely yesterday. Michael Keane was just getting done all over the show 1v1. Um, some of the defending you wouldn't want to see on Sunday League, to be fair. Um Thought Mason Allgate probably was the best. I have a bad bunch, shall we say, on the back four. But apart from that, it was it was just disastrous all over the park. And obviously the second half, Fabian Delph. I know I, I got a few pelters on Twitter this week where I, I'd stated that if Fabian Delph's fit, then I would potentially start him. And on that, the thing is with Fabian Delph is Mick, his attitude's questionable and he's always injured. And a lot of Evertonians feel like he's been stealing a wage, which, do you know what? Fair play. I probably agree with the amount of games he's played. It's not good enough. He hasn't been a very good signing. But when he's fit, he's arguably up there with a really good central midfield option. And especially when you've got Gabamon who hasn't played for three years, his match fitness was, was way, way off it. And then you've got Alan pushing forward. I think Fabian Delph would have been the option there just to sit there. He wants the ball. He got the ball, he drove forward, he got forward. And you've seen in that second half, and I don't know how many times we're going to say this, but he was the best player on the park for me. Wanted the ball, he was literally man-ordering certain players to move into different positions to create space. And it needed that. Me and you were talking during the first half and we were screaming to, to literally change it. Puff free in the middle. And unfortunately, we went 2-0 down. And then Benitez thought, I need to change this. So we then moved Andros Townsend into the middle in like a 10 position to obviously gain the press, but it was a little too little too late for me. So but the most worrying thing for me, Mick, is I expected a reaction from this set of players. Obviously, we imploded against Watford in that 12 minutes and I really anticipated a big reaction. I thought we were going to get a lot of fight and desire, determination and grit and how wrong I was, honest to God. There was none of that, especially that first half. It was diabolical. And another massive concern for me, I now... Don't know if it's the case the case of Yerry Mina's out or some or Dom Calvert Lewin. We cannot defend zonal marking with the current injuries we have, or in that case at all, because I think that's eight goals now we conceded from corners. And every time they got a corner last night, I was extremely worried. And I, and I, I just think Benitez got the, the the formation wrong, and this zonal marking is really starting to grind on my gears, as you can probably tell. It was a frustrating evening. It was just. Shocking all over the pitch, and I don't really know what else to say. I've had my events on Twitter, I've had my abuse, and I just hope to God we can pick up and go for Sunday um, against Tottenham because we need a map. Don't know how many times I'm going to say it. we need a big reaction, a big response from these sets of players because they need to grow a set quickly. Mm, Jack, I'm, I'm really struggling, I'm not going to lie, you know, after that capitulation against Watford at Goodison Park the week before to then go to, to Molyneux and you expect, you know what. This team needs to show a reaction. This group of players need to show a reaction. And, and that first half, Jack, wasn't it? It was diabolical, wasn't it? 
Yeah, like like Ben said, um, appalling, absolutely appalling. Um, I think the least you expect as a football fan is to see effort, hard work, application. And if players are short on ability and skill set, Everton fans will, will see past that. That they will see past that as long as you're putting in the effort and you know working hard and putting hundred percent in. But you know, and I, I know I'm not going to call players out, but I don't personally think in that first, especially the first thirty to thirty-five minutes, there was one player, maybe Bar Jordan Pickford, who made some really really good saves, who can say I did my job in the first thirty to thirty-five minutes. I thought it was absolutely appalling. Um, and it's really worrying because that is on the back of the capitulation against Watford. Um, and, and if you think about those last 12 minutes against Watford and the first half an hour or so against uh, Wolves, Everton have conceded, what, six? And, you know, and I know we were speaking off air, this isn't against Man City and Chelsea. This is against two football clubs who... Let's be honest, Everton, you know, are bigger clubs. We've got better first 11s. I'm not going to say better squads because we all know the deficiencies and the lack of depth in the squad. And, and that's probably for another conversation. Um, but it, it's really worrying, Mick, really, really worrying because I'm sure you'll go on to it maybe later on. But the run of fixtures coming up um, are not kind. Everton have had their kind run of fixtures now. We're 10 games in. Um, Four wins, two draws, four defeats. A couple of weeks ago, the season looks like it was a really good start. It's now looking a really poor start um, because bar, you know, the visit to Old Trafford, Everton haven't really played anyone who I would say of note. There's a couple of tricky away games in there. Um, Brighton away and Aston Villa maybe away and Leeds away. But there's some tough games coming up, really tough games. And... You know, I, I can only echo what Ben said about the midfield. You know, not many teams play two in midfield anymore. They don't. A lot of teams play three and they flood the midfield with energy and legs. And I'm I'm no football coach, but it, it seems obvious to me that Everton can only ever play two in midfield when Decore is fit and firing. But not only was Decore not there, Rafford decided to play Gabamin, who... Has, has, what, first Premier League start since 2019? In a flat two? I, I genuinely couldn't understand that at all. Um, for all of Tom Davis's efficiencies, at least he's match fit, you know, and, and to throw Gabamin in there, and I felt quite sorry for him because it, it was a car crash of a 45 minutes from Gabamin, but it was a car crash 45 minutes from the entire 11. Mm, Lee... Rafa Benitez was shocked with the first half performance. He said that during the training sessions, they've been working really hard in the week and he expected character. He got it in the second half, but he didn't get it in the first half. Is that a real indictment to where we are as a club right now? The players just, they're just not rolling up their sleeves and digging in. Well, Rafa Benitez might be shocked, but I don't think any of us were. And that's the sad thing. We've seen that type of performance that we saw in the first half yesterday time and time and time again. It's become a very tiresome. I think people's patience is fast wearing thin. Um, by the sounds of, you know, Twitter this week, social media platforms, there's Evertonians ready to jack it all in because there's only so much rubbish 
we can cope with. And like you both said there, I think you'd be naive as an Evertonian to expect a reaction following what we saw against Watford because these players haven't got it in them. They're not mentally tough. They're not winners. We've got too many losers within that squad and it played out on the pitch in that 45 minutes. It was an absolute disgrace. I was sat there watching that. It's ups- it's upsetting to watch and you're thinking the last three or four years are just merging into one. It's just Groundhog Day. Decent start, get knocked out the cup, fall off a cliff, have a little decent spell near the end of the season, finish mid-table. What's the point? You know, it says it all when Calvert-Lewin sat in the, in the Sky studio last night and he, he was probably man of the match. thought his performance was good. I think he, he looked, looked great in his suit and sounded nice and articulate and did himself no favours for maybe his career after football. But, I mean, how do you blame one person or a section of the club? There's blame everywhere you look with Everton Football Club. In every corner of the room, there's blame. Um. Obviously, you've got to remember that the spine of the team was missing. Of course, you can't you can't forget that. I think any team will probably struggle without Mina, Decore, and Calvert Lewin. But it just comes back to the point we've we've all talked about at length. It's what's behind it. This squad's terrible, absolutely terrible. So short on quality. Um, but what I won't accept, Jack just touched upon it there, is not giving a hundred percent. There was another example of it last night, and there's been a clip circulating today of players giving up, throwing their arms in the air, running back, instead of busting the gut to get back and put players under pressure. Absolutely disgraceful. And that's what makes me angry with this current crop of players. Give give effort, give 100%. It's the minimum requirement. Because I guarantee there's 3,000 Blues sat in that away in last night who would happily swap places with you, mate. So, you know, we don't want to see Dummies getting spat out the pram when things aren't going our way. That's when winners and fighters need to stand up and be counted. We don't see it with this squad. Enough's enough. They've had enough chances. This needs a wide-scale clear-out of the dross that we're having to put up with week in, week out. Because when we've got these two or three decent players that that we're lucky to have, by the way, because I don't know where we'd be without them, when we've got them out, we're having to rely upon rubbish. You know, Gabamon starting last night. What's all that about? He's not a footballer. You know, he's clearly shot at this level. Unfair to start him. You know, I understand when the backup's Tom Davis, you know, and he hardly set the world alight against Watford. He was rubbish again. Um, but, you know, put, put Delphin, he was fit enough to be on the bench, showed in the second half that he's got a bit of fight. He can do a bit. Start him, start on Yango. I don't know, do whatever. But, you know, these names who have let the club down too many times for too long, we all know who they are. Keane, Awobi, Holgate, you know, Coleman's finished. We're screaming out for additions for it for to freshen things up. It's it's not great. I'm sick and tired of watching it. I don't know what's happened to Ben Godfrey. You know, he was unbelievable. I remember Ben with his anal- analogy last year saying, you know, he's run just run past me, me at me front door then, and he's still running. What's happened to that player? You know, he's he's morphed into Paul McShane overnight. He's absolutely he's awful this year. You know, Gray was awful last night, but we'll give him a pass because he deserves one. He's been brilliant in the main. Let us down a little bit last night, but, you know, that's a one-off. But the biggest thing for me, Mick, is they don't seem bothered. Defeats don't hurt this team. And that hurts me. And it hurts the fan base. I know it does. So, absolutely annoyed. 
these defeats are getting harder and harder to sort of accept and move on from for me. And I know for you guys as well, you've all mentioned it. Um, it was a terrible performance. It was embarrassing. Um, and I have no idea how we turn this round now because the fixture list looks ominous, to say the least. Matt, I imagine you're just as angry as the rest of the team right now. Yeah, mate. Um, can't quite put my finger on it, to be honest. Um, it's a regular occurrence, really, with this 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 group of players. You know, it's just not performing. Um, you know, they decide when they want to turn up and other weeks they decide to just dance holes. And, you know, I can't fathom how professional footballers can turn up on a on a Monday night like that. You know, nearly they've had a full eight days to recover from from that Watford game. Eight days to reflect on what was a really bad result. And to come out for the first 30 minutes the way they did, I don't get that. As, as, as someone that... Play, they're players that should be dedicated to their profession. They are. They, they don't get to where they are without being dedicated. But there comes a point where you do have to question the professionalism with this Everton squad and certain individuals within it. I've always I've questioned it for for a little while, and and I remember Seamus Coleman, funnily enough, come out a few years ago when we got tonked at Wolves, saying there's a few bad few bad eggs in that dressing room, and you know there's not been a huge turnover in in players since then. Now I'm not I'm not sitting here saying you know pointing any individuals out, but again I can't put my finger on it how how, how bad we were in that first thirty minutes. You know the manager manager has to take his, his share of the blame. Uh, the boys touching on it there. You know, no functionality in the midfield there. Uh, and I think this is this is this is my first slight, just a slight issue with with where Raph is going. Is that what are we as a team? What is he trying to achieve? I can't for the first few games, for the first seven eight games, I thought we can start to see what what Raph is trying to make us. You know, uh, we sort of sit back and let other teams come on to us and we'll hit them really, really quickly. But that's gone away a little bit the last couple of games. And, I, and I'm, I, you know, we're 10 games in now. I'm, I'm not quite seeing where what he's trying to do with a team. Um, I thought Jamie Carragher made a really good point last night. that We did, we looked over coach. We did. We looked over coach in that first first half. You know, it looked like a team that had just been coach, coached on shape all week. But no one was getting to the first balls. You know, second balls were all over the place. You know, we, we didn't get near them. Um, and, th- and this isn't a, a really, this isn't a good team. You know, this isn't a top team. You know, they're, you know they're, they've been playing good football, Wolves, but what I fully expected to go to Wolves last night and, and get a result. And we didn't lay a glove on them. Didn't lay a glove on them until we had, until, until we had to. And, that, and that's the annoying thing for me. And I think the bad, I've mentioned it on this podcast before, the bad starts so far this season worry me because I can't really name a good first half bar Brighton. Um, we seem to be so slow out the blocks. Benita talks about how he knows scouters and how he knows what Evertonians want. Well, that's not what we want. We want we don't want to be sitting back first half and letting teams come on to us and then suddenly at half time we're out of the game. You know, I thought we should have been at them at, at them much better. And we, we see it second half. Just a slight tweak in, in midfield. And I thought we pressed we I thought we I thought we pushed up, you know, a few yards and put them under pressure. 
we, and despite the, the you know the imbalances that you get when you're two 0 down and leaving gaps, we look we look much better. And you just wonder, well, well, where's that? Where's that in the first half? You know that, and and that's been a similar theme throughout the season where we seem to be waiting for other teams to make their move rather than us taking the initiative. Um, you know, I think that's a key. I talked about it before. That's a key ingredient of any Everton team that we get on the front foot and try and get on the ball ourselves. And I know possession isn't what Rafa Benitez sort of does, and I don't think we've got the personnel to do that. But there's a difference between having possession and sort of getting the team high up the pitch, you know, trying to engage a high line. Um, and and Wolves, Wolves, Wolves had it so easy first 30 minutes. And... We've got to have a big reaction on on Sunday because, you know, rightly or wrongly, um, there's murmurs of some discontent already in the in the fan base. Um, performances aren't good enough, um, but that that, that let, let's have it right. The performances haven't been good enough for a little while with this group of players. So we need a quick start on Sunday, and, and otherwise, you know, the crowd could turn on the team. Mm, ben, I think we can all agree. And I think most Evertonians will agree that the midfield needed a third man in there immediately from the off. It didn't come until we were two down. But what, what concerned me most, and I know I spoke to you last night about this during the game, was just the sheer lack of responsibility amongst the players numerous times. And there was one major incident in the second half where Delph, Coleman and Keane were really going at each other after the ball went out for a goal kick and Pickford. And this might not have been shown on TV for those who are sitting at home watching the game. Pickford had to run out, Bennett, and almost separate the three of them as they were all going. And to be honest with you, it's embarrassing, isn't it, to see a bunch of professional footballers in that sorry state. And you you are then going back to the whole, well, where are the leaders? Where is the accountability amongst this team? And for both goals, Ben, I think we can both agree on this one. They were all just pointing at each other, weren't they? And almost passing the blame. And, And that's a real worry going forward at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, it's a major concern. I feel like this Everton team and squad don't have a leader, don't have someone that's going to get a grip of everyone, get the game by the scruff of the neck and try and lead us forward. We haven't got anyone like that. The, the Most of them are spineless cowards who don't want the ball at the best of times. And as Matthew stated there, we're not a team who actually want possession. There's so many times in, in that half where the centre-halves just don't want the ball. The left-back and Ben Godfrey, I understand he's playing out of position. He didn't want the ball. Seamus Coleman was, was trying running around, but again, he's, he's nearly 33 years of age. He's, he's well he's well past it. And it goes back to the old recruitment side of things. He's nearly spent £500 million in the past, since 2016-17. And this is the best 11 and squad we can come up with. It's it's nothing short of an absolute disastrous of, of what, what we've done with this money. Because, weirdly enough, when Delve come on, he at least tried to get on the ball. He was getting hold of the ball. He was shouting the players to move. And look, I don't agree with, with how Delft... I don't think Delft's spell at the club has been a success. I really, really don't. And I don't think he should be let off lightly. But by far, yesterday, he was the best player on the pitch. And that's how far we've come. Probably an 80% fifth Fabian Delft who's absolutely running the show. And it was just embarrassing to see that nobody wanted responsibility. Like you said, the... the, the the players were arguing, they were bickering. Coleman, Keane, Godfrey were just having a go at each other. And I, as we noticed last night, it was on more than one occasion. 
I think when Juan got the disallowed goal to obviously start, but when they went one nil up and got disallowed, there was there was a bit of murmurs between a few of the men. Then when that first goal went in, they were kicking off. They were shouting, Cole was having to go to Keane. Keane was having to go to Holgate. Holgate was saying to Gabarman and Allen, where were you? And it was just getting really messy. It's as if they just weren't getting on. And that good start, we say, I think about just after the Man United game, I said these next three games are massive. West Ham, Watford and Wolves. And I aim for seven points. I think seven points are leaving really good stead going into this difficult period. Give us a bit of ease, a bit of pressure on. But oh my God, the pressure's on now because we've got this set of fixtures and the, the injuries are just mounting up. Lucas Dean's injured again. And then obviously you've got these, you've got Tottenham, then you've got City, Brentford, Liverpool knocking about. You, you, these aren't just like teams going to come and roll over. These are going to be a proper battle. And I just, hand on heart, don't think this team's got the battle. I don't think they've got the backbone. And I think they're, they're also spineless at times. You, you think that majority of that, that fan base that travel up and down the country watching these Blues probably spend a, a large proportion of their wage, their salary, sacrificing time with the loved ones, with the family, to, to turn up on a Monday night to Wolverhampton to witness that type of performance of some of them players. It's an absolute disgrace. And I was absolute that first half, I was ashamed of some of them players on that pitch. As the boys have quite rightly touched on, it, it, there's a way potentially to concede a goal, get beat, but not putting any effort or determination in or any grit, any fight is just completely unacceptable for me. And every Evertonian that obviously follows Everton and watches Everton week in, week out, because we sacrifice our lives following them up and down the country. And I was abs- I was embarrassed, Mick. You could just see the Wolves fans were all cheering, laughing. Obviously, when our players were kicking off from one another and Pickford ran out probably about 30 yards and got in between them and said, you all need to pack it in. And a, a massive, another worry as well. They didn't score from this chance, but it gets out to Huang on the left-hand side. He goes past Coleman who then doesn't track back into the middle. He goes past Michael Keane like he's not even there. Ben Godfrey puts a half-hearted tackle in, and I don't know for the life of me how that fella hasn't scored. He literally has, is one-on-one v Pickford and he puts it wide. That could have been a whole lot worse last night. They could have got really toxic quick. So these players need to wake up. They need to show that they want to play for Everton. They're going to fight for the club, fight for the badge, and fight for the fans. The fans that put their money in who aren't fortunate and, and lucky enough to be on the monumental money that they're on, 100 grand per week players, not wanting the ball, not wanting to get possession, not wanting to put a tackle in. Get over, get a grip of yourselves. They need they need a big reaction Sunday, make a big reaction for the fans because the fans deserve a lot more than what they're being shown up right now. Jack, one issue that is currently being raised is this zonal marking that Rafa Benitez is persisting with at the moment at Everton Football Club. And I think in all competitions, it's now eight set-piece goals Everton have conceded. Is that now beginning to become a real problem for you? Do you think maybe Rafa and his coaching staff need to address this and maybe change the system when defending set pieces? I'm not a fan of zonal marking at all, Mick. Um, the, issue, the big issue I have with zonal marking is there's no accountability. There's no responsibility. Um, if you look at the Wolves' goal, the second goal um, last night, the corner comes in and Kilman is being marked by Andros Townsend. Now, with all due respect to Andros Townsend, he hasn't got a hope in hell, really, of out-jumping a big centre-back. 
when you watch the ball come in, you've got Michael Keane, Ben Godfrey, Mason Holgate marking sort of the space, which is what zonal marking is all about. I, I just hate that way of defending. I hate it. And now, Rafa's a clever guy and, and a lot of good top football clubs use zonal marking and they will argue about the benefits of it. But for me, the lack of accountability, it, it, it's just, I just don't like it. I really don't. Do I think Benitez will change? No, I don't. I think he's a stubborn guy. Um, I think he will keep going and he'll persevere with it. And I think his belief will be at some point the Everton defence in midfield and, you know, defending set pieces, it will drop, you drop into place and the penny will drop. My concern is, is, is how much longer have Everton going to have to play on with this system conceding goals? Now, if you're any club facing Everton in the next several weeks, you, you just play on set pieces. You know, if you put a good ball into the box, you fancy your chances getting on the end of it. Um, I, I know we've mentioned about players that are out, you know, Calvert-Lewin, Mina. They're, they're massive for Everton. Calvert-Lewin, you know, win, wins plenty of headers defensively. So does Richarlison. And I know Richarlison played last night, but he's only just come back into the team. I, I do think, Mick, to just blame it on set pieces in terms of that's the defensive issue is a bit naive. I think defensively, as a whole, there's huge problems at that football club at the minute. Um, Everton have technically gone into a Premier League season with six what you would call Premier League defenders in Coleman, Digne, uh, Holgate, um, Keane, Mina and Godfrey. I'm not including people like John Joe Kenny and, and Branthwaite and people like that um, because they're not they're not good enough at the moment and, then, and they're not ready. Um, so we've got him with six and you've got Yerry Mina who can probably play 20 games a season. So then you're down to five. Um, we've spoke at length about Seamus Coleman, been a great servant. Um, you can't rely on him for 38 Premier League games a season. Um, Luca Dean is horribly out of form, horribly out of form going forward and defensively for me. You've got Michael Keane, who I don't understand how a 28-year-old uh, guy who's playing the Premier League for as much as he has is so fragile mentally. He is so fragile. His confidence, it, it takes the slightest knock and he, he, looks, he looks awful at times at the minute. Um, at times in that second half, especially when Wolves were breaking, he was like a statue at the back. He, and like Ben said, he might as well have not been there. Um, ben Godfrey looks a shadow of the player from six to 12 months ago. Um, and we all know that Mason Holgate, you know, he, his form is very patchy at times. So I think just to blame it on set pieces is naive. I think defensively there's huge concerns, huge, huge concerns. Um, and if I was Rafa, I'd be scouring Europe now for an, an experienced centre-back to come in um, and do a job. A little bit like what Chelsea did with Thiago Silva. Now, I'm not saying Everton can maybe attract a player like that, but Chelsea brought him in at 36 and, he, and he's just shored things up. He marshals that back four. Everton are in desperate need of someone like that. Lee, just touching on what Jack's just spoke about, Michael Keane. It, it is a big worry, isn't it? A former England international late 20s. Michael Keane should should really be in his prime now, shouldn't he? And marshalling that back four. But 
again, and it's not the first time again last night. It, it, it's schoolboy stuff, isn't it, really? And I don't mean to be derogatory or disrespectful, but it, it really is at times, it, it's as bad as Sunday League football when you're watching it and you, you're thinking, goodness me, Michael Keane, you know, you're, you're a £30 million centre-half on, on big wages, a five-year contract not so long ago, former inter- England international you know, centre-half. You think, what, what has happened to this man, don't you? Yeah, you do. I mean, five-year, oh, you say that back, Mick. Oh my God, sends shivers down your spine, a five-year contract for Michael Keane. You know, it's decisions like that which has left us where we are now. Whose decisions that? You know, whoever it was, have a good long look in the mirror and have a serious word with yourself. Because, you know, 28 years old, he's not getting, he's not improving. His experience is not sort of playing out and helping him to make better decisions, become calmer under pressure, you know, better on the ball. You know, he's got a foot like a pitching wedge, can't pass. Um, like Jack said that I mentioned it on the podcast after the, the Watford game, he looked like he was going to start crying at one point. Professional footballer. You know, it, in this day and age, you know, I'm sure they have sports psychologists in the background. There's, there's a team of people who are meant to be working with these players and helping them to deal with the pressures of being a Premier League footballer. And I know it's not easy, but you'd expect better than that. Performance-wise, he's all over the place. Um, you know, for far far too often, he's a liability. Always, you know, liable to make a mistake, get caught up. He's, he's flat-footed. He's so flat-footed. You know, it's it's that. How many times have you seen it? And I tell you what, I worry about the derby with him because how many times against Liverpool do you see it? They play on Michael Keane. They just lob that little ball over his head, and he can't turn round. He's too flat-footed, and you've got people running in behind him. Um, if you're an opposition manager, you target that and you 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 play on that tactic every day of the week. Um, he's not good enough. He's not on his own. You know, I don't think it's fair to to just single Michael Keane out. I mentioned a few names earlier on. He's one of a few who, who have just let the fans down since what 2017ish, last three four three four years. Um, you know the 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 relationship between the Everton fan base and too many of this squad is irreparably broken. Um, I can't see it sort of getting any better. So, you know, these players, you know, we're saying we want to see a little bit of fight from them and a turnaround in in form. I don't think they're playing for their Everton futures because I think their Everton futures are, are decided already. I think the fate is sealed. I think the futures, well, I certainly hope so, are away from Everton Football Club. But if they want to sort of move to another Premier League club, whatever the, the motivation may be, self-pride, pride in your own performance. But I think we're asking a lot. This is These are things that we've been saying and repeating for months, years, and it just never happens. It doesn't. It, it, it never works out like that. So I go to, back to my point earlier on. People like Michael Keane, people like others, Iwobi, Holgate, they need replacing and we need better. We need better plays. We need a, a better age range. We need a better mentality. We need winners in the squad. We need proper targeted recruitment because um, I'm sick and tired of seeing the same old people. It's so stale. It's boring. I'm sick and t- tired of seeing these people turning out for Everton and expecting a different result. You might get the odd little glimpse. You might get the odd run because when we've got everyone fit, we have got some good players in there, but they're still surrounded by rubbish. And when it's just the rubbish, we get rubbish results. And that's what we've seen in the last uh, three games. 
And that's unfortunately what we'll continue to see until we get our big hitters back. Because the squad, thanks to Marcel Brands, whoever else is involved, Mashiri, previous managers who have been woefully substandard, have collated this abysmal squad that I'm, I'm quite frankly embarrassed of. I'm sick and tired of it. Um, and it's going to take a long time and it's going to take the right people and consistent good decisions to turn this around because this is four or five years worth of just mess. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, sorry about the rant. Um, but yeah, Michael Keane's not very good at that in summary. Yeah, I agree. Matt, uh, you know, some fans are now starting to maybe look at Rafa Benitez and, and a, a portion or a section of the fan base are now almost asking for, his, for you know for him to get the chop. And me personally, I, I don't think that's the right move. I think Everton need continuity right now and, and a change of manager is the last thing that Everton Football Club need. But what I will say is that I do think we need more from Rafa Benitez. And I think he got it wrong at kickoff. I think we can all agree it needed three men in midfield. But, but another decision that has angered a lot of Evertonians is, is the persistence with Alex Awobi out wide ahead of Anthony Gordon. And I don't know how you feel about this, but do you think now it is time to say, Anthony Gordon, you're going to get a good run of games in now. Alex Awobi, you've had more than enough time to, to prove your worth. Where, where do you sit with this one? It's a difficult one because who do you believe? Do you believe the manager? Or do you believe the player? Because the manager doesn't believe the player can play 90 minutes. And the player thinks he can. It's got. It's, I thought Awobi was. Really, I, thought, I mean, he, he's one of many. Awobi's not been good enough for a long, long time for me. Um, I know we got the goal. He seems to only score against Wolves, doesn't he? he got the goal last uh, last night, but again, his performance was substandard. Um, just not up to it, really. Um, I, I don't see why Gordon can't can't start playing from the start. To be honest, um, I don't have a problem with Rafa sort of not starting him week in, week out because he's given Gordon more of a chance than, than any other manager that we've had, really. Um, you know, whether that be because we couldn't bring anyone in in the summer or he's trained well, he's still he's still giving him a chance, isn't he? So, you know, I think I thought Gordon looked really good when he came on again last night, but I also thought he looked good in the first 20, 30 minutes for Watford and maybe he did slightly tail away. So that's something he's got to work on. Um, but I'm not sure you can build that match fitness up until you start playing, you know, a little bit longer and, and playing 75, 80 minutes week in, week out. He looks up for it and he looks matured. He looks slightly, he looks matured he, he, as a player. You know, he come on last night, just little things. He was barking out the orders when he come on. You know, he went, that, I know he didn't have a very successful loan at Preston. Um but maybe going out on loan for six months and playing with, you know, with real men and getting a different perspective and a little bit more responsibility in the team has helped him mature slightly. And I, I, I think he, I think I'd probably start him on on Sunday. Um, you know, it's very telling for Awobi that he scored, and within five minutes late, you know, five minutes late he was getting hooked off. Um, you know, overall performance just wasn't very good, was it? And I thought when Gordon Kamani made a difference. Um, it's a different. That's yeah. I'd place. He's got, so for me, he's, he's earned that place in the in the starting eleven. On the Rafa Benitez thing, it's it's people. Unfortunately, people are going to have to go through the pain because 
you know, we how many times as Everton as a club have we asked for patience, 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 and, and it's annoying because we have been patient as a fan base. I think, you know, as a club that's been very successful in the past, we've been very, very patient. Just you know, to see the the rubbish that we get served up week in week out. But I, I do think more than ever that we've got to be a little bit patient here with, with Rafa Benitez. Um, you know, I certainly certainly don't think a, a change in manager is going to change change anything within the club anytime soon. Um, you know, there's a difference between stability and progression. Um, you know, someone like Sam Allardyce can bring you stability, but he won't take your club forward. Uh, I don't don't necessarily you know agree with that with um, with Benitez. I, I know he's he's probably you know probably not everyone's cup of tea, and in a perfect world, we wouldn't have. He wouldn't be our manager, but I think he's a bloody good manager. And I do think he can take us forward, you know, in two, three years' time. But he, he, he's going to have to have three or four of his own windows. And, and, and as Lee and the boys have touched on there, recruitment that's sort of tailored towards his style of football, but also an overall philosophy at Everton Football Club that should be, you know, that's what him and Marcel Brand should be looking at, you know, a philosophy that they can build upon. And, that, and that's the way recruitment should be should be done. So, you know, when a new manager comes in and it's not a completely different style of play, you know, we're not going to have a mismatch of, of players. So, listen, I get the frustration. And I think part of the issue with criticising Everton managers these days is as soon as you criticise an Everton manager, someone, someone automatically thinks you want them sacked because we've had so many managerial changes. That's not true. Um... I think you can criticise the manager. I think he, he underperformed certainly in the last two games. And I think there's certain issues that need to be solved pretty quickly. Um, you know, set pieces wise. The 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 Awobi one for me, the, the one that annoys me more more than that, Mick, is the the, the grey thing when he plays in ten. Why are you playing our best winger in the ten position? It just doesn't make any sense to me. I thought I know Gray didn't have his best game, but he's much more dangerous down the left. Um, you know, and you put Townsend or Awobi on the right and you put one of them through the middle, it's much better. It works much better. He's done it. He's done, but he keep he keeps doing it and he and but then he keeps changing it. So you think, why 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 if, he, if it's not working, why do you keep going back to it? So um yeah, no, I think I think overall we we're just gonna have to be patient with it. Um you know, obviously, it's not nice to to see the club, the, the team underperforming, and it's annoying when I think the manager probably cost us in that first half, as much as the players did. But now it's too early to be um, asking about any managers uh, being sat yet. Ben, I think what most Evertonians would like is maybe not a statement from the board, but a clear plan and a pathway of where this club is going. And, you know, we've obviously heard many murmurs about, well, you know, things will change, you know, when Everton do move or do eventually move to Bramley Moor. But that, that's at least three seasons away. And football is about the here and now, isn't it? And right now, I think we can all agree, you know, without just saying it because we're Evertonians, Everton fans do deserve better than this. They travel home and away. It's sold out at Goodison Park every, every other week. <laughs> we need something, don't we? And do you think it would go a long way for just somebody, Marcel Brands, a Farhad Mashiri, even Bill Kenroy, somebody to come out and say, look, we know what we are. We know where we are. We're in a difficult position financially. This is where we're at. The plan is obviously to move to Bramley more. But in the meantime, 
this is the plan. And do you think maybe fans would maybe then almost get on board a little bit more and maybe take the foot off the pressure gas, the gas pressure, should I say? Or do you think that's too far gone? That should have happened maybe six, 12 months ago. And right now it's just going to get more and more toxic. Yeah. yeah. Look, <clears throat> I was lucky enough to obviously have a quick chat with somebody higher up at Everton. And that was the response, Mick, in regards to um, the Bramley Moor Stadium. That will give us the revenue to be able to compete with the big boys again. But look, three years' time, is that what we're looking to do? Just wipe out the next three years? Just be relevant, as Lee touched on before? Just be mid-table mediocrity? It's, it's shambles. Like There's no real philosophy. There's no real business model. There's no real direction of which way we're going to head. Look... If we were a club where, say, you look at your, your big assets, <clears throat> let's look at Dominic Calvert-Lewin with Charleston, and we sold them for 80 to £100 million, and we reinvested that into four up-and-coming superstars who have got potential and with the right coaching and direction could gain the, the, the club profits or go on to be a real success for Everton Football Club. Now, if they had a, like a business model like that, and fans were made aware of why and what we were doing, then I don't think people would have an issue with obviously selling your big players because they know for a fact that they're going to get certain players in that's going to improve us long-term. But the issue we have at this club currently is I do not trust the recruitment side of things at all. I think, obviously, we had the, the issues with Steve Walsh, which failed. And I'd like to say that Marcel Brands has probably had his tenure now and with no better than where we were when he got the, uh, the obviously the business deal to come into the club and his contract. There's no direction. There's no what to do next. You obviously you look at Aston Villa in the summer, for example. I'm just going to use them as an example. Big bid comes into Jack Grealish. They they come out and address. Yeah, we've received a bid. We've accepted a bid because of X, Y, and Z. And this is what we're going to do. And obviously they went in, recruited well. I know they're not performing well, Aston Villa, but at least they they came out and addressed what was going on, what the plan was going forward, and other clubs do it. We've got to wait, and I think no Matthew picks up on it as well. We've got to wait for Marcel to come and speak out in Dutch press or speak to somebody who's not close. There seems to be no connection with the fan base and the board for me. No one knows what the plan is. No one knows what the next move is. Mashiri's like a madman with a checkbook, just throwing money all over the place, and it's just it's just a real bad time at the moment. I just feel like we're so distant away from what is going on behind the scenes. And I understand the stadium is superb. It's going to be fantastic for the club, fantastic for the supporters to go and watch, obviously, on the, the banks of the Royal Blue Mersey. But what, what are we supposed to do for the next three years? Just accept mediocrity and accept no real identity, no plan, just continue to recruit players who are getting past the, the sell-by date, who are approaching 29, 30 years of age and play, paying astronomical fees and big wages again for players who want one last payday. I mean, I'm speaking, this is my personal opinion, Mick. I don't want that anymore. I don't want to give contracts to 29, 30-year-olds on big money who are coming just to sit off and earn a paycheck. That's not what I want. I want to see a real philosophy embedded within this football club of what we want to achieve going forward. And it starts at the top. Success is started at the top and it leaks through a business model. If you don't have proven winners at the top, you're not going to have proven winners at the bottom. And all success starts from the top. And our board is failing at the moment. They really, really are. They're failing. They're letting down the fans big time. And I just wish they had a bit of communication. If they had somebody to address the fans, if they had a, 
someone who could be that intermediary between the, the fans and the board to actually to tell us what is the plan, what they want to do, what what what's the plan for the next three years before moving into the stadium? Are we looking to invest? Are we looking to sell? What's the finances? Because obviously all, all it takes is to go into companies' house to see evidence accounts. And they're open to anyone, by the way. It's a public public domain on companies' house. And you can see the state we're in financially. And all it takes is somebody to come out and just potentially say, yeah, we've misspent. This is the plan going forward. That's all it takes. But success starts at the top, Nick, for me. And we've got a board currently who are failing, who potentially don't know how to run a multi-million, well, multi-billion pound potentially industry business within that football model. And I'm just not happy, as you can tell. So sort of subject for me. And I'm pretty sure when we do that under 23 special podcast, you might touch upon it again. But yeah, I'm not happy currently. And something needs to be said and addressed. Yeah, Jack, Ben's clearly not happy. I feel personally very disconnected with Everton Football Club right now. And I'm sure many other Evertonians do. And this isn't this isn't Everton Football Club as, as I would imagine us to be. You know, we'd like to think Everton do things the right way. We do things in a certain way. But right now, it, it almost needs everyone pulling in the same direction, doesn't it? And this isn't a knee-jerk or it's not panic stations. I don't think Everton are, are in danger of getting relegated. And I think people that do think that, you know, maybe need to take a, a step back for a second. You know, there are probably four, five, six much poorer teams than Everton in the Premier League. But but nevertheless, Everton are a big club, Jack, an enormous fan base, a very loyal fan base. And do you think now it is about time that somebody amongst the football club come out and said, this is this is the plan. You know, a, a, regardless of what we think of Rafa Benitez, it was a controversial appointment. That's been done. Zero expenditure with no reasoning. The lowest in the whole Premier League, £1.7 million. A couple of free transfers to, to boot, obviously to try and beef that squad up. And now 10 games in, in a very precarious position, not really looking like we're going to go anywhere. Do you think now is the right time maybe for someone to come out and give us some kind of direction, a plan, and, and unite the, the fan base and the club together again? It would be nice if they did, but I don't think they will, Mick. I don't think many clubs do that, really. Um, if, if you look at some of the um, other clubs in the Premier League, um, and I'm not comparing the two football clubs because they're very different, but... I know after the whole um, European Super League breakaway idea, the Glazers made it very clear that they were going to communicate with the fans a lot more, and, and they haven't at all. Um, so that's Man United. The Liverpool owners, I don't feel, particularly communicate. Stan Kroenke at Arsenal doesn't talk at all. You know, he's, he's rarely seen anywhere near the Emirates. Um, so I, I don't think they will. It'd be maybe nice if they did. I think what you said was, was right there, Mick, about, you know, Everton have just got to take stock and not be too knee-jerk here. It was only two, two and a half weeks ago that Everton went to Old Trafford, got a really good point, battled hard, worked hard, and the majority of Everton fans were probably saying, real character this team's got. I like what I'm seeing. Um, Benitez, he's, he's playing counter-attack football. We're sitting in, we're breaking at pace against teams. And yeah, three very, very, very poor results, three very poor performances. Um, and now we're sort of asking the board to come out and, and explain the direction of the football club. But two and a half weeks ago, um, things, were, things were looking OK. I know two and a half weeks in football is, is, a, long, is a long time. 
Um, we all know the financial situation, Mick. I, I don't particularly think the board need to come out and make that clear. Everyone knows Everton have spent far too much money on players over recent years, have given far too um, bigger contracts to players um, in terms of uh, the length of time and the amount per week. Um, which has resulted in why Rafa Benitez has only been able to spend 1.7 million. Um, we all know the issues with players still still on the books of Everton. You know, like Chank Tosin was on the bench last night. You know, some of the Everton fans have probably forgot about him. You know, what, a £28 million footballer, you know, who Everton are, are going to be lucky, you know, to get anything for. Um, and, and there's plenty others in the squad. There's, there's plenty others. Um, so it's a tough one, really, Mick. I, I, I don't think they will come out. I, I don't think they will. Um, and if someone was going to, who who would we want it to be? Um, Mashiri, for, for as much as I admire him for putting a lot of money into Everton Football Club, Um you know, the only time I really hear him speak is when he speaks to Jim White on Talksport, and I'm not particularly a big fan of that. Um, Bill Kenwright, again, he, he loves Everton. I, I get all that, but I think he needs to take a bit of a backward step now. Um, I think it was, I think it was Ben who was saying it was Matt or Matt that to be successful, you've got to be well run at the very top of the football club. And when I mean the top, we're not necessarily, I'm not talking about the managers, it's the boardroom. Um, and I always, I always think back to, to Man United when they were, when they lost Sir Alex Ferguson, everyone thought, oh, well, they've lost Sir Alex Ferguson, they're going to really struggle. And everyone forgot that they also lost David Gill. And he was at the top of that football club and he ran that club brilliantly. Yes, losing Ferguson was a big issue. But losing key board members is big. And, you know, Everton need a shake-up in the board, absolutely. Um, and they need football people and people who are ruthless and people who are going to take the club forward. Lee, looking ahead, a precarious position, injuries not helping. Where do we go from here as a football club? You can imagine now a difficult game on Sunday against Antonio Conte's Tottenham at Goodison Park. You can imagine things, we hope that they don't, but towards the end of that Wolves game, things were getting very toxic in the away end. And you can imagine Goodison Park, Sunday, just before the international break, it could all it could all start boiling over very, very quickly now, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah, you're right, Mick. Uh, and that, I think that's the worry, isn't it? Um, I don't know. It's a, you're asking me a difficult question there. Where do we go from here? I think if, if I had the answer to that, I think I'd be getting appointed onto the board today um, or sat on the, in the dugout next to Benitez personally um, we've just got to go back to basics we've got to accept the situation that we're in at the minute is the one that we're in um, you know we can't miraculously bring players back to full fitness unfortunately I don't know whether we're going to be having anyone back for um, the visit of Spurs on Sundays I don't know whether Yeri Mean is going to be back I think he's the only one with a chance um, if he is fit he has to come back in um, if if it was me, probably put Mina next to Godfrey, um, and just see if that does anything for Ben Godfrey's form, putting him back in his in his preferred position, um, and seeing that partnership for once, and then having Dini left back. But if that's not going to happen, you know we're probably going to see Ben Godfrey left back again. Um, but I bring uh, Mina in for 
Keane or Holgate. I think it's a toss-up between the two, um, both as bad as each other. Um, Coleman's going to have to be right back again because we haven't got anyone else. Um, but then I, I fully agree with you guys about the approach. I think without in the absence of Decore, we have to pack that midfield in his absence and get bodies in there. Um, you know, Delph, I think, did enough second half to, to you know, warrant a start. And I'd be very, very surprised if he didn't start on Sunday against Tottenham. Um, get Keep Richarlison up front. I think he worked his socks off. He was unlucky last night. I think that incident where the ball didn't quite fall for him, but he worked really, really hard with very little service yesterday. Townsend and Gray picked themselves. And then it's just think it's three, three in midfield. I think, you know, Kabaman's not going to play. So it's going to be Delph, Alan, and I would suspect Tom Davis. Um, and we've just got to hope that we can be solid and, and just show a bit of fight and, and, you know, pride in that badge. You know, you're playing in front of 40,000 people here who, you know, who care about this club. We all care massively about Everton Football Club and we're sick and tired of being disappointed. You know, you know, we want to see this turn around. Whether or not these group of players are capable of doing it, I'm not so sure. But I think you look at Sunday, it was a, it was a much easier fixture 24 hours ago. Um, now with the appointments of, of Conte, you know, very, very good experienced highly regarded manager you, you're going to you fear you're going to see a very very different Tottenham on Sunday and it's bad timing for Everton it's bad luck again I think we have been victim to, to a bit of bad luck as usual I, I must say this season you know not not forgetting our own uh, pitfalls and our own mistakes I, I do think we get a tremendous amount of, amount of bad luck but listen it, it's football you know who knows we could be sat here on Monday evening or wherever or Sunday evening whenever we do the podcast after the Tottenham game looking back on a on a much needed victory um, but I'm saying that more in hope than expectation if I'm honest Mick mm, and that's all we've got time for this evening Wolverhampton Wanderers 2 Everton 1 Everton slumped to a third straight defeat at Molyneux and we will be back later this week with all the pre-match talk and match analysis of Tottenham's trip to Goodison Park on Sunday in the meantime, have a great week. We will see you later on. Take care and all the very best. Thank you.